Hello and welcome. Today we are joined by Professor Amy Newday, teacher at Kalamazoo College and owner of Harvest of Joy Farms. Um, I know you've been a big part of, you know, fostering, encouraging my ideas around healing, so I'm really excited to have a conversation with you. It's wonderful to talk with you, Bella, <laughs> as always. So I was wondering if we could just start by a little context for anyone listening. Um, if you could talk a little bit about your work, you know, what your vision has been of the type of farming you do, and maybe, you know, what motivates you in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my, so um, I grew up here on this land um, in uh, near Shelbyville, Michigan, southwest Michigan. Um, it's um, historically and is currently Potawatomi territory. Um, the Mashabinashiwish uh, band of um, Potawatomi are headquartered about five miles from here. Um, and so my family were some of the some of the white settlers that came in in the 1800s and farmed this land, and that's how I got here. And um, here we have a busy road <laughs> right next to us. Um, and so I think part of my farming, part of my farming, has been around you know how do I be in good relationship with this land, how do I be in good relationship with my community, with the people of this land. Um, I, my parents pretty much did, they, they, it wasn't even an option for me to stay here and continue the dairy farm. They were, they were very adamant that both my brother and I leave and go and get jobs somewhere else because they did not feel like farming was a viable lifestyle or career choice. And so I did that and then I ended up coming back to the land and then, um, getting involved when kind of in the resurgence of the local food movement, um, uh, kind of around the, the turn of the last century, I got, um, I got kind of back involved in farming, feeling like this was, if I was gonna, if I was gonna do it, that was the moment to do it. And so, um, so I started a community supported agriculture program thinking about like how, you know, that as a vehicle for connecting people with the land, connecting people with their food, um, building food sovereignty and food access in my local community. I think, you know, that's one of the things in this rural area, even there's a lot of food insecurity. And um, so I, I was hoping that that would be a vehicle for, um, for doing good work with this land. Um, and at, I you know we've talked about this that I, that I, I found that that it, it really wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't doing that work in a, in a way that I, um, I felt it was really achieving what I wanted it to do. I felt like, you know, I, um, I was making relationships with my neighbors, um, but it was really burning me out. I was working way too hard for, and not making any money. I was doing it at a loss. And I felt like if I charged the amount of money I needed to, to, um, to make it a viable living, I would really be only feeding wealthy people and people that had access to other food in other places. And that didn't, that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And I also felt like I was going to have to start using farming methods that didn't really feel good to me um, in order to, you know, get the volume of food that I, I would have needed. And um, so I moved more towards like, how do I help more people grow their own? And I've been doing that through teaching classes, teaching at K um, and, and really diving into one of my passions for seed stewardship and growing seeds. Um, 
for nature and nurture seeds and also um, you know kind of for our own seed seed bank and for sharing with people so that's been some of my like my vision and my sort of motivation uh, but also I really find myself at a time now where this isn't even scaling back and what I'm doing now isn't viable and sustainable and so I don't really know what I feel like I'm having to let go of a lot of the visions that I've carried with me and worked for the past 10 years mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't really know what is next for this farm so yeah you talked a little bit about um you know you've you've lived on this land for a long time and your parents have lived here and um you know when you were younger what was I'm curious like as a child what excited you about being in this place or what were like your secret spots or your (laughs) you know something that made you excited about about farming or community or well, we were pretty isolated. Like, we did not, I mean, you know, it, especially dairy farming, you can't leave. You can't take a day off. The cows have to be milked. They have to be fed. They mm-hmm. have to, right. So I, we didn't have, and my dad was a pretty, pretty introvert, introverted. So we didn't have, we have the church community, but that was about it. Um, and so I didn't have a lot of friends even growing up because um, I couldn't stay after school for stuff. Like we didn't, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, so I felt like the plants and the animals were my friends, you know, and, um, like those were my playmates when I was a kid, just running around in the woods and the fields and the calves, you know? And, um, so I think that's probably, you know, what, what started me down this path of farming or, you know, <laughs> being in this, have, having these sort of intimate relationships with non-humans was those were my those were my companions and that was yeah. my community when I was a kid was really the the non-humans more than the humans because my parents were busy on the farm and yeah. they would kick us out and be like you know when, when we were too too young to do chores like go play outside <laughs> somewhere <laughs> yeah. so do you so. feel like a sense of that of like wanting to get that that connection back of when you were younger I know like in the beginning of summer we talked a little bit about like our goals for the summer and I know one of your goals was like listening to the mm-hmm. land more fully do you feel like a yeah. sense of of wanting that childhood connection or awe, curiosity yeah I think I do um you know and it's just it's yeah and I've tried to do some of that this summer I think it's it's hard uh it's hard when there's just so much to take care of in life you know and it's hard when there's always um it's hard to find those times of just openness um yeah and (laughs) it just feels like that there's the endless to-do list of impending crises to take care of yeah so yeah i feel like we found some you know time this summer you know, like as kind of a, a resting or mm-hmm. more fun period through um, doing like foraging of medicinal and edible plants. Do you feel mm-hmm. like that's like, you know, been a, a conduit for you for restoring that uh, connection? And you know, you're you've been growing t- you've been growing tobacco too, mm-hmm. which I think has been you know a great mediator for you know kind of human and, and natural worlds. Um, so what are, what have you been? you know, learning and how did you start on that process of, of mm. foraging? Well, I started foraging really in my late teens, early twenties. Um, and I think it was really the same. It's really the 
same impulse for me as farming, which is how do I, how do I live within my ecosystem? I think that was a, that was a thing that I, um, was really important to me and still is, I think, was that question of like, you know, when I look around at the plants and the animals that live here, like they are living in relation, like they, they don't need to import fuel oil right? (laughs) or fertilizer or like you know clothes or like they're living in this in this you know symbiotic relationship and like how do I do that Mm -hmm. and so that was one of my um I really wanted to learn to do that I really wanted to just like be able to go into the woods and survive and so I took survival skills classes and and foraging was a part of that and so um so that was something that I did. I did a lot at that time, and then you know when I ended up having you know getting a job, yeah. <laughs> had I had, you know had less time for that, and then um, and then when I started the farm, again I I I ended up having less time to do that. So I, as I'm trying to scale back the farming, I'm trying mm-hmm. to um, I'm trying to pick up more of the foraging yeah. pieces. Um, getting a practice yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's 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 really nice and I feel like it's you know for me it's taught me a lot about you know consent and you know with mm-hmm. this larger question and larger themes around around healing I feel like you know very explicitly asking for permission and waiting for the answer and um you know thinking about medicines beyond what can me- what can this plant do for me right. but more you know, thinking more holistically about, you know, what is, how are we engaging in a more reciprocal relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, kind of going back to that, you know, my fellowship, I revolves around this idea of healing, like, you know, what is healing? What needs healing? How do we participate in healing? Yeah. And I know that this, you know, concept has come up multiple times in class periods and conversations. I was just kind of wondering, you know, how are you understanding that term right now? Yeah, it's been really challenging for me in some ways and interesting to be in conversation with you around healing because I feel like I don't know. (laughs) I really don't know what that looks like, Um, you know, and I like what you've said. Oh, now we have a plane going over. quiet and peaceful out here in the country (laughs) um yeah I feel like I really don't I don't um I don't know but I think what you've said about like needing a broader perspective on healing than just the individual Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me that um well even you know even I think that connects to what I feel like I'm really struggling with here on the farm is that the way our culture and society is structured, it's really structured for a lifestyle which involves, you know, going to work, putting in your time, making your money, buying your food, paying your rent, right? And it, it is not, it's not, <laughs> um, we don't have a culture and society that really supports what I'm trying to do here. And um, it's hard to, it's hard to, to be able to, do this work within that culture that's always working against it. Yeah. And I think 
healing is the same way and what you said you know a week or so ago about like healing happens we just have to stop resisting it or stop impeding it and I think mm -hmm. that that's the um or or stop perpetuating the wounding right yeah. I mean I that's something that I've certainly heard you know BIPOC folks say it's like how do we you know like how, how, like <laughs> if we're gonna heal or we're gonna forgive or we're gonna re like there was how do we reconcile when there was no relationship in the first place or how do we like yeah. you know in order to move towards healing or forgiveness like first y'all have to stop like perpetuating the wound, yeah. perpetuating the harm right yeah. and I feel like with us in this culture when we're constantly we're constantly bombarded by things that actively injure us and mm -hmm. that's on a physical level it's on an emotional level it's on a spiritual level it's on a mental level there's like we have this culture and society that um it actively is wounding us mm -hmm. on all levels yeah so frequently it's 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 you know there there are there are he if we're thinking about healing versus um versus like managing pain right yeah. or yeah. surviving yeah um healing has to be maybe it doesn't I don't know but it makes sense to me that it has to be this broader thing that yeah. that as individuals we can only do we can do so much um but but we're but we're also you know we're not islands unto ourselves yeah right we yeah. live in within a cultural context and a societal context we live you know in a place and you know if our if our place is sick if our ecosystem is you know full of toxins mm -hmm. like we we're not separate from that we can't dump carcinogens in the water and yeah. not expect that some of us are going to get cancer and yeah. um so yeah i don't know where that leads us but i guess so that makes sense to me i've been thinking about that and i've mm -hmm. also been thinking about healing in terms of um, just trying to disrupt this idea of healing as this sort of perfect picture of health or wellness or wholeness, yeah. right? That um, maybe that maybe there's a different way to approach healing, even within you know, even within all of the disease yeah. that we face all the time and the disruption and. Yeah. I, and I like I don't have any I don't have answers to that um maybe there's a way that healing is about acceptance of disease or acceptance of wounds or yeah oh I, I definitely think yeah so. what do you tell us say more about what you think about that well I mean you know very similar very similar echoes but I feel like for me part of the you know really hard reckoning is that you know, healing does not include the, like, absence of suffering or the mm -hmm. end of suffering. Um, healing very much also includes death and loss. Um, and I think the minute that we're resistant or, you know, thinking that, thinking that healing only exists in new growth or um, mm -hmm. birth, <laughs> I think that's the part that it gets really... Um, really difficult you know in our in our class in the winter we talked a little bit about you know <laughs> about the roots 
roots of suffering or roots of a lot of you know pain that we've seen the world come to and I've been I've been you know thinking and dwelling a lot on we kind of came up with an the thought that you know denial of death is a huge a huge root root problem and I see that even in the concept of healing is that you know if we deny that death isn't you know death is inevitable and you know we all are you know limited by our own mortality and I think yeah I think you know that that plays into a lot of you know ideas about about grief too Mm -hmm. and I think you know we often deny ourselves the space and ability and time that that process takes and it's you know grief is often you know just love and misunderstanding and and you know grappling with the fact that things end and I think that that's often it's often hard to get you know beyond your own individual ego or your own um, worldview to see a lot you know see the cycles and spirals that we exist in yeah it is I'm thinking about I think was it Sam yesterday in our class conversation Mm -hmm. where Sam was was the person who said um something about like loving without expectations oh yeah yeah I, I said something along maybe those you lines. said that yeah yeah, yeah. like how do we like, hold love and release expectations yeah yeah because that to me that feels like like part of that like you know and in some ways I'm thinking as you're talking like it's easy I think in the abstract it's really easy to say oh death is a part of life yeah. and death is a part of healing yeah. and and there's different contexts in that too right like so you know <laughs> my old dog died while you were here at this mm-hmm. like and you were here and you sat with him and yeah. right and in some ways like I I still feel a ton of grief around that and I feel like oh the regrets of like oh the times you know the walks we didn't take or all that but on yeah. some level I can rationalize I can rationalize his death and in a way that makes me in that definition of healing right because mm-hmm. I can be like um well he had you know he was he old life. he was yeah. old he had a he had a, de- he had a good life he did have a good life like, he really you know, did he's you know, the perfect farm dog he, was. he and, loved it out here and you know so okay but then what about you know what about you know I, I'm thinking about a friend the a friend's ki- a kid who a few years ago you know he had struggled with addiction for a long time and you know had had thought we, he was on the road to recovery and then ended up you know having having something happen and he had some kind of relapse and ended up doing some pretty terrible things and then you know ended up being killed in a car accident oh we have hummingbirds oh. <laughs> uh, visiting us and like how do I sit, reconcile that like yeah you know can I can I yeah. see that as healing yeah that this this person this young person was so wounded you know and it was a relief in some ways when he died but like you know he was so wounded that he didn't get to live out his life yeah you know yeah how do I reconcile that or you know the changing of the seasons is like a kind of but then climate change is another thing and (laughs) yeah yeah can could do those things fit in with with healing healing. and how do I reconcile like can I love can I can I can I figure out how to hold that those things in love 
yeah. and release expectations or release my vision of what healing looks like. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I don't know the, the answer to that question, but I think I, part of it lies in the fact that I, I feel like that intentional adaptation lies, lies really closely to that is that, you know, things are going to change and we don't have any control where we have very, very limited mm-hmm. control. Like we can control our interpersonal relationships and, you know, we make decisions every day, but we're also limited on the really, right. really large scales. And, you know, <laughs> and I don't know how this fits into, fits into any larger, larger picture, but I think, you know, being, being able to acknowledge that no matter what, things are going to change and things are going to be scary and uncertain and holding space and time for that. Yeah. Is all we can do. In yeah. The moment. Yeah. I think that's the hard part though, is that, you know, <laughs> you have that like bleeding heart where you're like, it's, it's hurts to care and it hurts to yeah. love a lot. Yeah. And our culture isn't designed for right. for you know these really hard accountable relationships and I think I don't think it gets easier. I think we just find new ways of of figuring out something that works for us. Yeah. Or finding a way to be with things that don't work for us. I don't know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the hard, you know, that's a, maybe it's just that releasing expectations, you know, where you can see like, you could you can see how things could be different, but you can't make them be different. Yeah. Yeah. Know? And so then, how do you be okay with? How do you be okay with that? Yeah. Um, sort of. Is there is there place for brokenness in healing? You yeah. Know? Yeah. I have to I, I have to say that's inevitable, right? I mean, healing obviously as we talked about isn't you know, this this shiny right. shiny vision and I think that to expect right. that we're going to come in perfect or the process is going to be perfect is you know, fundamentally flawed. Yeah. Sitting with that, um, you know, as a final kind of wrap up, do you have any, you know, questions or thoughts mm. that you're, or inspiration, or <laughs> <laughs> anything you'd like to encourage the audience to think more about? Mm. Well, I'm just curious about if there are other things that you feel like, what do you feel like you are taking away from your summer experiences with? Tom and Sam and Layla and mm. Ruth and us and are there ways that you've changed this summer or insights that you feel you've had yeah. around healing or stories or other things? I think I mean yeah of, of course good mm-hmm. question I th- and I, I think I've talked to you a little bit about this but I think presentness has mm-hmm. been has been a a huge thing for me and I didn't I didn't quite understand the magnitude 
of that. I was reading uh, Michael Pollan's Botany of Desire, and he was talking about at one point, like how you know, presentness is true presentness is enlightenment because you can acknowledge like the awe and beauty of the present moment in a way that's you know that recognizes it's from the past and looks to the future but you know sees all of existence Mm -hmm. in that in that moment um and so I feel like that's a skill and it's a skill towards thinking about change and constant change and daunting and scary (laughs) and scary change um is that is that presentness and I feel like yeah I feel like I've learned that from you know I'm I've you know spent this summer working with you know people that aren't really in my age group and um you know Tom is is older and I think just in different in different state everybody's in different stages of their life Mm -hmm. and I think it's it's been really powerful to have that intergenerational aspect to thinking about about healing and you know people who have been doing different social justice and food work and um, environmental work their entire lives. And I think um, I'm really lucky to have intersections of, of, you know, thinking about native plants, thinking about regenerative agriculture, thinking about, you know, hemp and marijuana and, you know, the, the, you know, medicine or, or, you know, (laughs) um, gifts that, that plant that we can be in relationship with that plant so Mm -hmm. I think you know I've been I've just been trying to you know be more be more in my body and you know experience what that Mm -hmm. what that feels like and I think that that's a, a really exciting gift is I I have this very unique possibility to be able to learn from people in a a very authentic way and be open and ask you know a a plethora (laughs) of questions and so yeah yeah I think and also just switching from multiple different places I I feel like I've had to you know find ways to to cope and find you know and really rediscover you know myself again Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah it's the, what a gift. I mean, it has been a kind of a chaotic summer. I'm wondering how, I have two kind of questions. And one is more like, I mean, so last summer too, you were working with a cherry mm-hmm. farmer, right? And yeah. I know that you talked about seeing some of the challenges of that. Yeah. And then like this summer, you've worked with, on two farms that I feel like are both in a, I don't know if a crisis stage, but <laughs> both in a stage of like, I don't know what either of these places are going to yeah. look like yeah. in the future. Yeah. Like, you know, um, and I'm wondering what, where you I don't know what do you what does this make you think about in terms of food and farming and and like just um yeah your ideas about (laughs) our food system and (laughs) and yeah food sovereignty and yeah well I mean specifically thinking about the Kelsey's and you I think fundamentally you know I, I thought that it would be, I think, and it's, it's changed iterations throughout the sure. whole fellowship. And I think, you know, part of my project itself has changed like sure. seven different times right. Right. <laughs> completely around. And, you know, what I was doing at the Kelsey's initially doing like marketing and social media, that obviously didn't, didn't work out. Um, 
And I, I haven't had time to do any sort of calling around EE this summer. <laughs> and I, so yeah. that's one of the things that was on my list that we talked about that yeah. we just, I just haven't had time to pursue. Yes, yes. So it's yep. just been, it's been a lot of, of changes. And, you, you know, I, I talked a little bit about this in my final reflection and final video. But I think I still, I feel really mobilized by the love and passion that you guys have. And, you know, even, I, I don't know what, I've definitely seen really concretely the stresses that are put on, on small farmers and in a really intimate way to, you know, our, our society does, is not set up for, survive, for the survival of small farms. Yeah. It isn't, fundamentally. In fact, the opposite, it's actually set up intentionally to not make yeah small farmers be able to make it yeah exactly yeah but the i think for me i really see a driving passion from you and from sam and layla and and john i really like i i am holding all of the love that you guys put into the land and these connections and relationships with you know, really are, are non-human relatives. And I think it's the, you know, it's the resilience. And I, I know like, you know, resilience is kind of a, a tough word. Cause yeah. It's like, God, we don't I want know. resilience anymore. We want, you know, that, that so softness or that, you know, openness. And we don't, you don't want to have to be like that. But I think, you know, fundamentally, I really do you know, Maeve has been talking a lot about this summer about, you know, the feeling that the land loves you back and, you know, from Robin Walkimer's book. And I, I feel like I've definitely, I've definitely felt that. And I've also, I, I feel just a tremendous sense of gratitude, mm-hmm. I think, to you guys and to the Kelseys. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that 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 love is what's is what's fueling my my whole project and thinking around healing mm-hmm. is that I can believe that healing is possible because of the love that's been demonstrated mm-hmm. towards me and shown mm-hmm. to me and given to me you know even when I didn't feel like you know I deserved it or yeah could really fully grasp it at that moment I think that's maybe a really powerful root of thinking about healing is like being able so you were you said like accepting the healing but accepting the love I think is part of that right like you know where do we resist where do we resist that love from the land Mm -hmm. uh, from each other and I think one of the largest challenges (laughs) I think for for small farmers and you know that that disconnected community is the isolationism and the individualism. Like I can do it, I'm fine. I can do it all by myself. I can figure it out. Yeah. It'll be it'll be okay. Yeah. But <laughs> like you know, accepting help I feel like is is part of that, you know, and acknowledging that yes, there's a community around you that wants to be there for you is so powerful Mm -hmm. like last week we had the uh, a party the kelsey hemp party Mm -hmm. and been planning the 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 summer for it and 
you know, it was really small and just people who had been been involved with Sam and Leela, but I really did think it was, you know, significant and helpful for them to just yeah. be like, these people care about whether right. my farm survives. Right. These people are checking, want to check in on me and I feel like there's, there's something, there's something in that. And I think that that's a lot of, you know, the goals of, <laughs> you know, these, a lot of these food justice, uh, issues is, you know, figuring out how do we, how do we connect to our community? How do we allow, how, how do we yeah. stop resisting? Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm really glad that you, I'm really glad that you've, you've been able to receive <laughs> some of that this summer. Yeah. Even where, though you've been working with people who I feel like are all, <laughs> so we're all struggling in our own ways. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's, maybe that's part of it is figuring out like, how do we, even when things are hard and, it, you know, and we're hurting, how do we. How do we not close down, you know? How do we not yeah. close our hearts? How do we not turn on each other, right? Yeah. In those times. Yeah. When things feel scary and uncertain and and difficult. Yeah. You know? Like in acknowledging we're part of a much bigger, more beautiful and complete mm -hmm. whole as yeah. part of these, you know, cycles and of life and death, I think is is a helpful paradigm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Amy. I really appreciate it. It was delightful. <laughs>